Welcome to Curl Talk. Major Curl here. This episode of the Curl Talk podcast was recorded at Rec Philly, also known as Philadelphia's incubator for creative entrepreneurs. Through their platform, they provide creatives the tools and resources to create easier. If you're interested in signing up for a membership with Rec Philly, get 15% off your membership by using discount code CURL, C-U-R-L. This week we are featuring Allegra Edinger and Allegra Band, however you want (laughs) to, just in one. You can say hi. (laughs) Oh, hello, hello. (laughs) I was like waiting. I was like wondering if it was going to (laughs) happen. So how was your day so far? Um, my day has been great. I'm happy to be here. Welcome. Um, so I guess I can just jump right in. Um, so I don't know if you want to maybe like give a brief intro as to who you are and what you do and maybe why you're here. I don't know. Sure. Um, (laughs) my name is Allegra Eidinger. I am 24 year old from Philadelphia, um, the Philadelphia suburbs, and I have a band and music project, which is also called Allegra. Um, I started the project several years ago, two or three. Um, and basically I, I kind of choreograph the music and I have a band that plays the live sound with me. Um, I've never heard someone say choreographing music. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of how I think of it. Um, that's really cool. Because it's it's putting all of the sounds in their places and making them work together. Oof. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's really cool. I never thought of it that way. Um, so when did you start making music? I started making music when I... I mean, technically when I was born. Like, my dad's a drummer... Um, I've always been musical, but I guess like when I first decided I was going to like make a song or record music, um, I was like 14 or 15 and I basically made a bunch of really lo-fi instrumentals using like the microphone on my laptop and like (laughs) it was really DIY, um, (laughs) and yeah, that's that's like how I started really. I um just by doing instrumentals for like the first like year or two of making music. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. When do you feel like you discovered your love for it? I've always loved it. I mean, I've been doing it my whole life. Um I think finding my voice in it has been like a constant and something that I'm still working towards, but um, my like love for it and investment in it has definitely always been there. Um, even when I didn't even realize that I was musical, like I don't know, it took me a while to like. Nobody ever really told me it was just a part of who I am. Yeah. If that makes sense, um, kind of took me a minute to be like, wait, oh, I can like do this, you know? Oh, like if I pick up this bass guitar, I can like hear a bass bass part in a, in a song and figure it out by ear, you know? Mm-hmm. I didn't really knew, didn't know I had that capacity. Um, I just had it. Mm-hmm. So. How do you feel like you um, gained or acquired skills in music? Like, what was your practice? My practice was, well, first of all, like, playing along to songs 
It's like oh yeah, you were doing that in my couch. <laughs> yeah, um, I practice by listening to songs and interacting with the songs through my own like exploration and um, yeah, and then like jamming with other people also like definitely was my like first way of learning is just like hearing what other people are doing, interacting with them, just like a language. Um, you can, you don't really learn the language as well if you're just practicing it on your own. It comes with conversing with other people and putting things into contexts and in the way that you do with words, you use the right words in the right contexts and you learn how to do that by practicing. Mm. So, Do you consider yourself self-taught or do you feel like you learned in school? Definitely self-taught. Definitely self-taught, yeah. I mean, my dad is a drummer, so... In that way, no. Um, but like my playing guitar, playing bass, that type of stuff yeah. is all. You can still be self-taught and like have mentors and teachers, but. Yeah, I didn't go yeah. to school for it. Right. I studied a little bit, but. But we all study. Yeah. <laughs> I took like a couple classes in college and in high school. I took a theory class, but. But yeah, I mean, that's widely just like you experimenting with things by yourself mm -hmm. for sure. Um, how do you feel like you began your study of music? Well, kind of like I said, I just like started jamming along to things and realized I had an ear. And then making song, like songwriting as a study is like, literally something you just need to do and do and do so mm -hmm. I've written like so many songs <laughs> I have so many fragments of songs and like songs that I'm like eh that was okay you know like I have yeah. a lot of just like throw away there was an idea there but not quite you Didn't know fully developed yeah but a lot like of those. sometimes that piece is still valuable because you can just use it later yeah just, although like, I don't do that later. much <laughs> I should do that but I don't do you, like, have a way of notating or, like... No, my usual songwriting is by recording at the same time. I see. So um, I don't really, like, write anything down. I just kind of track it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, so do you feel like some people are born with talent or do you feel like it needs to be cultivated or obtained later in life, um, like, through practice or intention? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I do feel like people can be born with innate abilities, but then that question is like, I mean, if it's genetic, you know, and there are signs that say that like there are genetic, you know, you can be genetically di disposed to be better at something because your parents are good at it. Mm -hmm. But um, I also do think that um, it, it is kind of the type of thing where if you're exposed to it at a young age, you maybe more likely than any to like be good at it and have like a talent so totally. hard to say sorry that's my stomach it's okay i'm so hungry <laughs> <laughs> um was there like a point in time when you realized that music was like the only thing that fulfilled you and like was your true passion and like can you describe that time well I mean, looking back, I was in college and I was studying communications and sociology. And at any spare moment I had, I was making music. 
um, which to me indicates like that that was my true passion even when I was like in school for something else and studying something else really rigorously. It was like I was studying music all at the same time on my own, Mm -hmm. which is like enough to show like the passion in it, I guess. And I think that I was the most, um, I had the most output when I was in college, even though I wasn't studying music or anything, just because I only had like a very small allotted amount of time to do it. So I was like, I have to do this. That's so funny. I see parallels to that in, um, and the episode that I just recorded with Ellie and Beck and they were saying like some of the most stressed and like hardest times that they've had is like the best for producing content for them. And I just thought that was like a really interesting idea because mm-hmm. it's like your body just kind of goes into this like full force, like fight or flight mode. And then you just start like producing just a need to express. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, I feel that a lot. Yeah. Um, so anyways, does your, do you feel like your perception of your identity plays a role in the expression of your music? Yes. Yes. Um, I think that a lot of my, um, a lot of my lyrical content in my mind feels about interactions that I have, like a lot of communication stuff and, um, yeah, like communication struggles, communication flaws. Like that's something that I think about a lot and I feel like I write about mm-hmm. um, often when I feel frustrated about yeah. the ways that I've communicated in like recent times or whatever. But um, That's like a cool way to heal from it. I'm going to yeah. get water. I'm still... Sure. Um, yeah, I think in terms of like being a queer person, my music is like... It is an expression of that, but only in the way of me. Like, I don't talk explicitly about my queerness in my music. Um, And I did that. I grappled with that for a minute of, like, do I want to be explicit about this? Do I want to make music that makes a statement about me being a queer person? But I realized that um, my music can be a statement enough as it is. Like, I don't need to be directly addressing my queerness to, like, have... An impact. Yeah, to have my music be just music by a person who's also queer. Right. Totally. Yeah. Um, how do you combat the financial difficulties of being an independent artist? Um, I have multiple jobs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but That's a totally valid answer. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I um, it's, a, it's a struggle. I was just on tour and... There's nothing that like makes it more apparent how difficult it is to make money than being on tour because um, somebody recently put it in the terms for me of like, you make more money selling t-shirts than you do selling your music. Um, so that's kind of, that's like one big example of how it's difficult, especially as a musician to, uh, to make money off of it. But um, something that I've been thinking about and talking about lately is how I don't feel like money is the point in it. Yeah. And while it would be super ideal to like be able to survive off of the money I make doing my art, that is not my goal. Like I feel soul fulfilled by doing it regardless of like the monetary gain. Maybe that's why you're so successful at it because it's like, you have realistic expectations of like, but at the same time, like, you know, if that continues to grow, then it will turn into a money-making venture. Right, which would be so great, but also is like, 
not the intention. That's so sweet and anti-capitalist of you. <laughs> um, Don't get me wrong, though. Like, being able to have an endless budget to be in a studio, like, oh, my God. I would spend so much time crafting music if I had access to, like, That's so beautiful. You know, um, studio time. You make me want to get you a membership at Rec Philly. <laughs> <laughs> um, have there been points in time when money was the only thing stopping you from creating music? I feel very fortunate. Um, I don't, I mean, there have definitely been times where I couldn't, you know, buy a guitar that I wanted. I couldn't, it took me a while to save up for my audio interface to like record. Mm -hmm. But, um, the, I guess the, yes, the answer is yes. Um, re recording in a studio is a really expensive process when you have like an audio engineer because you're spending however long for like the person's right. services and by the hour. And that is like a huge Having having audio engineers on the music is like the most expensive thing, and that definitely stops me from like producing and mm -hmm. you know right yeah that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's interesting because everyone with their different mediums has different kinds of expenses and different things that come up and different areas where they need they need more resources. And then it's like like Ellie was saying you know, she chose, like, the most expensive art form, which is, like, ceramics. Like, you have to buy so many materials and things, and, like, everyone just has that, like, you know, there's always something. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Um, do you feel like there were moments when the integrity of your music was sacrificed by other people, events, or things that were going on in your life? And if so, how did you maintain your purpose and drive? The integrity was sacrificed. Um, like you were trying to make something and then something, you know, happened or came up that was really like hard and you had to like root yourself deeper and mm, mm. like connect yourself to what you mm -hmm. were doing. Yeah. Um, definitely like life stuff comes up. Um, also being a touring musician, it's really difficult um, and something that I like haven't practiced, but probably should is um making music on the road writing songs when you're not in your own space is like a really difficult it's a really difficult thing to do I feel like I need to be in my own environment to make music and um it's really hard to harness that energy when I'm like in a different city you know in the van like trying to like flesh out a song uh process but, um yeah, I felt like in the integrity of my music has been, like, um, sacrificed in a way when I'm, like, in a space and my band or I am, like, the only person that's not a dude that's, like, playing the show. Yeah. And I'm just, like, I'm the opener and I'm just, I just feel like I'm there to, like, fill a, to, like, be my identity and nothing else. Right, and that feels frustrating sometimes because it's, like you feel like you're being utilized, but like you can't even really necessarily like change or fix that. It's just like the fact of who you are. Right. And then there's also the other hand of like being grateful for, you know, being chosen to do, to play the show or whatever. But sometimes it just really feels like I'm, yeah, I'm just there to, to be that. And I don't know for nothing else almost. Yeah. If not for like, for just the purpose of enjoying my music, thinking that I'm, like, a good musician. Uh, so, 
I mean, I always say, like, you perform for yourself, and if anyone else is watching, that's cool. And it's funny because the other day I was at my friend's show, and there was, like, three or four people there, and we were just, like, hanging out because we're friends, and they were like, oh, so glad everyone came to my show. And I was like, hey, like, you perform for yourself. And they were like, yeah, I guess so. And I was like, yeah, like, it's, honestly, it's kind of cool when you have, like, a smaller audience, because, like, they literally just get to watch you. Like, they're just watching you, and there's no, like, distraction. It's very intimate. So I think I definitely relate to that. Mm -hmm. Um, So we talked about hard things, and now we can talk about good things. What achievements are you most proud of in the past year? Well, um, I recorded and released an EP, um, like, two months ago, and... Oh my God. Yeah. I'm really proud of that. It's been a long time coming. I spent a couple days in the studio. I tracked almost all of the parts myself, except for like a little bit, um, by my guitarist. Uh, and I just, yeah, put a lot of time and effort into it and I feel really proud of it. Um, yeah. Also I am in another band called adult mom and we just recorded their, new record and I got to have I was chosen and had the honor to rec- to write and record the lead guitar parts for that record so I'm like super excited about how that turns out very exciting yeah um what are your hopes to progress with your music and future endeavors within the next 2 years and do you have any definite goals or lofty goals you want to launch into the universe I am looking forward to recording the next record and I'm looking forward to um, touring a bunch. I feel like I'm now in a position where I'm like more able to tour, and that's really exciting to me because I going on tour is an is a really fun and rewarding experience. Um, in terms of lofty goals, hmm, I would love to have a label cover my studio costs to like be on a label that can afford to put my band in the studio. Um, just bought by like the belief that the band would like make the money back or whatever is like would be incredible. So yeah. Mm. Alrighty. So I'm gonna ask you. I always wrap up with like a silly question. Um, so how silly? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll just. I already. I'm gonna recycle one, but it's a good one. Okay. Um. And I think you're going to be happy because, <laughs> you know what, let me shut up. <laughs> um, so if you were a dinosaur, um, what dinosaur would you be and why? Dinosaur. I'm like, now I'm thinking of all the dinosaurs that I know. <laughs> like, I can't think of that many right now. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, Triceratops. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> Hard to say. Or maybe I'd be I'd probably be a pterodactyl. I could see that. Yeah. That'd be fun. I could really see that. They're kind of sm- they were like the smaller dinosaur. Good answer. Bird vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Anyway, so now I'm just going to give you the space to plug any projects or social media and anything you're working on that you want to tell the people about. Cool. Um you can find me on Instagram at Allegra Music and also on Twitter at Allegra Music. And um, we have music on Spotify, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, other streaming, Apple Music. Um, and 
yeah, you can also listen to Adult Mom. If you look up Adult Mom Band, you'll find a bunch of stuff. I'm blanking on their Twitter right now. But yeah, it's it might just say it might just mom. be Adult Mom Band. <laughs> um, okay, and that wraps up our episode. If you want to continue to follow the project, you can follow at Curl Talk Podcast, C-U-R-L-T-A-L-K, on Instagram and SoundCloud and iTunes Podcasts. You can follow me at underscore major underscore curl. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. To hear more, you can find Curl Talk on Anchor FM, SoundCloud, and iTunes Podcasts. This episode of Curl Talk Podcast was recorded at Rec Philly, also known as Philadelphia's Incubator for Creative Entrepreneurs. Through their platform, they provide creatives the tools and resources to create easier. If you're interested in signing up for a membership with Rec Philly, get 15% off your membership by using discount code CURL, C-U-R-L. CURL Talk is a safe space that doesn't support transphobic, homophobic, xenophobic, ableist, racist, prejudiced, or otherwise hateful comments. Hey,